The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. I'm so excited. Aren't you excited? Man, I didn't sleep much last night. And uh, uh, in the first service, I didn't know how to anticipate your reaction. I mean, I helped worked on this all week, and I've been excited. But in the first service, I got really just on that edge. And a good friend of mine taught me a trick on how to just keep myself from crying. So if I make a gagging noise, you'll understand why. That's, you know, just if you start to cry, just go, and you, you won't cry. And it worked. So I'm excited about this. Uh, uh, wow. Um, this has been an incredible journey. And what we've said from the beginning is we will not move until we feel God's peace. Uh, we will not do anything until we know it's God leading us. And uh, this is an incredible story that I want to share with you. I really began about a year and a half ago. Uh, I became uh, friends with a pastor in our area, and we do a lot of ministry uh, conferences together. He's part of the ministry group that I meet with. I meet with about seven pastors on Tuesday mornings, and we just talk about ministry, the kingdom. We make fun of each other, ourselves, and, and we, pray for, we pray for the church. And uh, we've developed a, a friendship. Uh, his name is Pastor Steve, and he's with Heartsong Fellowship. Uh, five years ago, they were uh, south of the loop, and uh, God called them to, to move north, sell their building, and, and relaunch and rebrand their church. So five years ago, they purchased property and began building a facility a little over two years ago. Um, and then they reached a point where they couldn't progress the facility anymore, and uh, they began praying about what God uh, was wanting them to do and what the next steps for their church were. And we just started having some what-if conversations. And in the last about three to four months is when we really started talking about the potentials of what you're going to see in a little bit. And uh, I, the story as it progressed, we would talk these what-ifs and, and why-nots and, and maybes. And then once we got to a point where we felt like we had something that we could really work with, we brought leadership involved, and they pulled their board and their elders together, and we pulled a team together. I want to, I'm going to introduce to you our leadership team, and they'll wave. So if you have any questions, they can help you answer questions. Uh, but I, I want to publicly thank my wife, Heather, because she is, she's more spiritual than I am. And uh, um, <laughs> that wasn't bad. I was just trying to save it, baby. Um, she heard God on this a lot sooner than I did. Um, I'm the type of person, I move very slow. Some of my leadership criticism is I'm too slow. Um, but she heard it and she said, Matt, God keeps bringing this. So I think there might be something there. And, and when we finally got to a point where we knew we had something, we pulled leadership together. We have a board of directors here at the Creek and that helped us. Ron Schuff is on our board of directors and he helped us navigate a lot of the, the legal language. Um, Don Beebe is our financial guy on our uh, board of directors, incredible man of God, incredible man of integrity, helps keep us financially compliant and secure, and he's also in commercial real estate, so he helped us talk about a lot of deals. Trust me, I can tell you just about every piece of property and building for sale, lease, demolition, whatever, within a certain radius of this facility. Trust me. I mean, when we were talking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, I can tell you all the specs on that. It's like a kid with baseball cards. I was that way with properties in our area. Um, and so Donnie helped us. My pastor, Dustin Bowles, who's the pastor of Mosaic Church in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, 
um, who gave spiritual oversight to this process. And then uh, our team of elders, Joseph Real and, and Mike Harrison, Wave Addis, and, um, and then uh, our staff um, helped us through this process. We had Tammy uh, Buck, our children's pastor, Kevin Groth, our community pastor, Ryan, our worship pastor, and Trinity, our youth pastor. And then we pulled some leadership from within the church because uh, I need wisdom and leadership around us. So we had, we had Ron Davis, wave at us, Ron, incredible man of wisdom. Um, my father, Pat Oxley, is also an amazing man of wisdom. Wayne Gann, um, are you in here, Wayne? Or I think he might be in the video. Uh, Kevin Cheshire, is Kevin here this morning? Hey, back in the back. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Come on now. Um, and then uh, Andrew Oxley. Is Andrew in here? He was playing drums earlier. He's also uh, owns the architecture firm that's representing us. They've been very patient with us through this process. Um, and uh, that's, the, that's the team. And uh, the reason we're announcing this today, let me, let me help you with this. This is not a done deal. This is like telling your kids we're buying a house and they're already wanting the puppy and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, this isn't a done deal. There's still a, a lot of process in front of us. The reason we are announcing this to our church first today is they are announcing to their church, and they are announcing the agreement that we've come together, and they are actually, they're a voting church body, so they're voting on that today. So the reality is, if they don't vote it, we go on and we keep looking. If they vote it through, then we move on to the next step. Um, let's, let, let me, let's hand out some information. While they're handing that out, let me show you some of the where. Throw that map up there. Uh, this is the where. Um, this is my mad Photoshop skills right here. That's my red box. That's where we currently are. And then the green blob is, is Heather coaching me with mad Photoshop skills. So we're going from the red square to the green blob. Um, it's at the uh, northwest corner of 820 and Saginaw, Maine. If, uh, like I can't get up there high enough, but that's where the Saginaw ball fields are, the Wendy Ryan Memorial Rodeo Arena. And then just on the north side of that property, they're building Bucks, Will, and Tires. So you've seen a metal structure go up there. There's seven acres there, and there's a, a facility approximately 12,000 square feet that is unfinished. It's a shell of a facility, so it's just the foundation, the walls. There's some stubbed-out plumbing. Um, this, is the, this is the front of the building. There's no parking lot. You can drive up there. Um, Kevin and some guys went and weed it around it so you can put your nose prints on the window and look in at a bunch of nothing. Um, watch for spiders, though. This agreement is an incredible story of God's creativity and God bringing unity in the body. Every point in our process as the creek, when we launched, we didn't know how, where we were going to launch, and God opened up an incredible facility here at Explore. It has provided us a lot of opportunity, and it has also spoiled us incredibly because we have a children's ministry that is second to none, and we have incredible space in our children's ministry. Last year, about this time, when we were feeling the strains of being full, we were negotiating with the school district about leasing a campus. When we looked at it and what that would mean for our children's ministry, we walked away. And what I told you, if you were here last summer and we announced adding a third service, I told you, we'll be a little more uncomfortable in here so our kids can continue to have an amazing facility and an amazing children's ministry. So what this agreement means is we have to continue that. If we, if we take a step back in any of our ministries, it's not a smart move. I'm not willing to do that. I'm not willing to compromise or pull any ministry back for us to move. I know it's full in here this morning, and I know it's uncomfortable, but I'll tell you, 
we're going to make smart moves and God's going to lead us with his peace. So in this agreement, what it means, and you've got it. I know you're reading ahead, but stay with me. Um, this means that Heartsong is voting this morning and what that they're voting on is signing over that land, their seven acres, an existing 12,000 square foot facility over to Marine Creek Church. In that process, we will own it and we will redesign the facility. Let's show you, show you that floor plan. There's a concept of the floor plan. This will change. But the concept of the floor plan that we needed in the redesign was children's space. So if you see the, the entire side of this facility is children's space. There's not adult space other than the lobby and the worship center. We want incredible children's space. So we, de- we redesigned it. We're still in the process of finalizing some designs. So the agreement means that they sign that over to us. We redesign it. That building is free and clear, and there's no debt against that building. We will uh, secure financing through ownership to be able to finish it out and then be able to, to move in. It also means part of the process that, that Heart Song and the Creek were really adamant about in this, this process was maintaining independent identities. Hear me. This is not a merger. You hear churches use the, the marketing campaign, one church, multiple locations. This is a, a, the thing where you can think of it as uh, one facility, multiple churches. So when the negotiations, our, our format is to do at least two services on Sunday morning. We're going to be able to go back to two services and provide room to more than double the, our church attendance. Um, I'm excited about that. The 1145 is going to be a little upset because we're, we're doing, not doing an 1145 service, but I'll tell them, you can tell them they look really great when they're coming in, and that'll help me. Like, you look amazing today, because I'm going to tell them, you've gotten enough beauty sleep, you're fine. So they'll have to get up a little bit earlier. But our service times will be 9 and 1030, and then Heart Song will have a service at 1230. So we will have our morning services, and we'll be gone. Our, uh, here's what this means. No setup and teardown, Okay. <laughs> For, for the first time in three and a half years, I'm going to actually get to feel like, feel like what it gets to get frustrated at the after church lunch crowd, right? So I'll be ending service on time because we got to beat the Baptist to lunch, right? So, and because we, never mind, I got, I'll get in trouble. I got to stop. Filter, line, boom. That's the internal monologue, cutting it off right there. So we will have those service times. The way ministry looks during the week is our ministry leads are negotiating what youth ministry and and the auxiliary ministries throughout the week will look like. So we get to maintain independence. We actually do have enough contingency in our schedule to keep adding services as the growth is need as the growth requires. We can add a third Sunday morning service. It would be an early service, eight o'clock. Um, we can do that on Easter weekends um, to be able to provide some relief. We can add a Sunday evening service and we can add a, or a Saturday evening service. Um, that wouldn't be like if you grew up in church, you had Sunday morning church and Sunday night church. Not that. It would be the same service on Sunday night as, as, as we have on Sunday mornings because some people just think about our society. Some people have a work schedule that doesn't allow Sunday morning church attendance. So we could get creative on, on those things. Um, again, I said this is not a merger. We maintain our separate identities, separate boards, separate uh, visions. We do have the same vision to see lives changed through the gospel. We want to see people's, people saved. And we're doing ministry in the same community. Um, the how much question. The how much question 
uh, is it's a moving target right now because the redesign and a lot of it depends on finish out. I'm going to tell you that the key word on finish out is functional, okay? There's no gold-plated anything. There's no stained glass anything. There's, I mean, functional. There's no automatic flushing commodes. We're, we're big boys and girls, and we can, we can flush. Um, functional, okay? We can, we can get that in our mind. Functional. Um, so uh, that, that's gonna, that number will be around the ballpark of a million dollars, give or take, um, and we want it to be a lot less than that. Let me share with you an incredible win in this. When we launched the church, we did not launch this church to get your money. My goal is not to get money from anybody, and my goal isn't to get you all to behave like nice little church folk. My goal is to preach the gospel. If I preach the gospel, that's going to lead to transformation that plays from the inside out. When our lives are transformed by the gospel and the Holy Spirit takes a hold of our lives and begins renovating, that's going to change our behavior, and that's going to change how we give. We, started, we launched the church with the giving stations, and I told you, I'm not going to nickel and dime you but there are times that we've got to step up and give. When we launched our campaign in the fall, we launched foundations, and I told you it's going to be a spiritual journey. If this is a financial journey, it's a failure. If we raise a ton of money and we're not more in love with Jesus, we failed. This facility is just a way to facilitate ministry growth. We're not trying to do something to start growth. We're trying to really react. God, what do you want us to do because of the growth? And because of your faithfulness in, campaign, in, the, in the foundation's campaign, I told you we would have enough. We have enough to secure everything we need to make this go forward. Now, it, it's going to take our continued faithfulness because we want to continue to fund this project. My hope is to do this with as little debt as possible. And here's the reality. We can take on this as manageable debt. This debt does not put ministry in jeopardy. No ministry goes on hold. I told you this from the beginning. If we have to sacrifice ministry for a payment, we're going to stay where we're at and go for ministry. We're actually going to be at a point, and you're going to probably get tired of me saying this. I'm not going to try to get your money, but you're going to get real involved in building the infrastructure of this church, (laughs) which leads me to another point. Um, Can I help build the church? I'm not a sheetrock guy, okay? It's not going to look functional. It's going to look nasty if I go in there and try to do anything. I'm a demo guy, okay? I can tear it up like nobody's business. I just can't put it back together. Um, We are going through a process with our architecture firm, and that will go through a bidding process. And here's where I want to encourage you. You have been helping to build this church. Continue to help build this church. That looks like this. You build relationships. You help us build the internal ministry of, of what it looks like, the creek. That building is not the creek. This is the creek. So continue to help build the creek. So when people come in, they, they belong. They feel welcome. We're family. We just haven't met a lot of our family yet. And that's the most important thing that we can build in the church. You've been building it. Whether you've been here since the, the launch, the very first day, the first time we sat in this room and talked about commissioning leaders in ministry, to t- last week was your first week. You've been a part of building the infrastructure of this church, and I want you to continue in that. I want to be, I call it to our staff, a sticky church. I do not want to be a church where a lot of people have visited. I want to be a sticky church. What makes us a sticky church is us. It's getting our arms around people. It's the children's ministry, which is incredible. It's the coffee bar. 
there's going to be a lot more of us to love if we keep having those cinnamon rolls like that this morning. I mean, there's going to be more to me to love, more of me to go around. Um, and so that's, that's the financial piece. The timeline is this. Um, construction is, is planned to start in the fall. Now, fall is this. Fall is that time gap between the end of summer and the beginning of winter. Don't call me on the equinox or solstice and say, why haven't we started construction? Fall is a gap of time, right? There's typically about three-ish months in there, okay? We want to start in those three-ish months. You will know when it's starting, okay? There will be a lot of commotion and hubbub and to-do about the starting of construction. Trust me, you will know. You're probably going to get overwhelmed with information, but that's our timeline, and we hope to be having services in there Easter 2014, which means this could be our last summer with R2-D2, working his tail off to keep us cool in this building. This could be our last summer of setup and teardown. A couple things I want to make you aware of is that this makes sense on so many levels. This makes sense from a church community perspective. Because, like I said, we're not trying to, we don't sit in staff meetings going, how do we grow the church? Here's our staff meeting. What are we going to do because of the growth? I mean, we, we stay, honestly, our growth hasn't been explosive and just like, you know, all of a sudden the church doubles, but we've had steady, consistent growth. And what our staff works very hard to stay on that growth. Um, we're a lean, mean machine when it comes to staffing, and we're going to stay lean and mean because we believe that our goal is to help equip the church for the ministry. That's why I need your help building the infrastructure. It makes sense for the growth. We can move into a facility um, that we can go uh, to two services and still grow the church. Here's why that's important to me to go back to two services at least for a little while. I really want to protect our team from burnout. And when I say our team, it's my staff and the volunteer structure of our church. I am more concerned about you being engaged for the long haul than burning you out just to get something done. Our team works hard. Our volunteers work hard. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into this throughout the week, and I want to save them. I want to protect them. I want to preserve them for the long haul. And coming back to two services allows a little bit of time to rest because if God keeps doing what he's been doing, and we keep doing what we've been doing, preaching the gospel, we're going to be having to add a third service again, but we're going to be rested, and we're going to be ready for that to happen. And so it makes sense for, from that perspective. It makes sense from a timeline. Um, all the other plans we were looking at were about a two- to three-year process. When we launched the Foundations campaign, we, we said that in the spring we were going to be looking for an interim step, and that might look like a school or some lease facility, um, because we know that we're looking at a minimum of two to three years to be in a permanent home. This allows us to do this in a few months as opposed to two to three years. It makes sense from a stewardship perspective too. God has, has given us a lot to be, in, be uh, stewards over. He's given us an incredible facility and, and we've done well. We've been great stewards of our facility, the partnership we have with Explore. We've done well in stewarding the growth of this facility. And, and we're, let, me, let me say this. Here's a side note. We're going to continue to do that well. We're going to leave here better than when we came in. When we leave this facility, it's going to look better than, we, than when we ever got here. 
We're going to spend money to make it that way. We're going to step up our stewardship with the facility here and be better caretakers of the facility that we get to use. So when we leave, I want to leave this place with such a blessing that we can come back and, and help in any way. I don't, I don't think we'll come back and have to be the church in here. I hope not. Oh, if we do, I just need to resign. Um, but I want to leave this in such a way because there, this is an incredible place and has been an incredible place for us that there might be another church, another pastor that's praying, God, where do we launch this church? And I don't want to be the pastor with this on my shoulders where I ruin a relationship so that doesn't open a door for another pastor in the future. We have a responsibility and we're going to be good stewards with that. And then it makes sense from a kingdom perspective. This is an incredible opportunity for the kingdom. I mean, think about it. The body functioning as the body with Jesus as the head, there's one spirit, there's one baptism, there's one savior, and there's one body. And we're united. This is an incredible opportunity for two churches. And, and we're, 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 we're a little different, but we're all focused on Jesus. But coming together with unity in the body and seeing lives change and ministering in our community. That's incredible to me. Because really the criticism against the churches is the church is bad at business. And the church can't get along. And the church is the one that shoots their own wounded. What an incredible opportunity we have to say, but that doesn't have to be the case. I'm excited about that. There's a couple things I want you to do. That we, we reopened our foundations at Marine Creek Church email. So if you have questions, email us. The first thing I want you to do is be involved. Be involved in building the infrastructure. Be involved in, in, in engaging in ministry. Maybe you've been sitting on the sidelines and the bench. We need you to start engaging in the game. We need to up... Uh, the, the commitment in our children's ministry. We need to start growing that out so that we can love on more kids. We need to, every ministry in our church is going to be growing. That's what we're going to be building in the infrastructure. So get involved with that. Be involved with a good steward. Um, stay focused on your commitment to foundations. We need that to continue funding this project. Be informed. If you have questions, ask them. Do not fill in the story with what you think could be happening. Let me make this clear. The enemy hates this. Okay, you need to understand the enemy hates this. Just as much as we have a Savior and a Holy Spirit in us that moves us to do work for the kingdom of God, there's an enemy that hates God, hates the things of God, and hates you and I. And he is going to do everything he can to destroy this, to steal from it, to kill it, and destroy it. Let's not give him any ammunition. Let's not, I don't want to chase down rumors in our community. Let's make sure that we're solid on the information. The reason we're communicating this before it's a done deal is because they're voting on it, and we wanted to make sure that both churches hear the same thing on the same day. So when you're sitting today at lunch and you overhear something about the creek, it's the same thing. And we handle this in love. We got family that we haven't met yet that we're going to get to do ministry with. Be informed. If you have questions, ask. This is God's story. Let him write it. I'm not creative enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough to figure this out the way God has done it. Let's let him write it. Let's stay faithful to walk it out, and he'll give us that peace. And then the the final thing, most important thing, pray and pray. Through this process, the enemy has been attacking me, 
my family, the leaders of our church. He's been attacking Heartsong, the leaders of their church. He's been attacking people in our church. He's been attacking our ministry. Pray, because there is a power that comes against us. And that power, the demons, the enemy cannot stand. Hell cannot stand against the great I am. And so let's pray. Jesus said there are some things that only happen through prayer and fasting. So if you're fasting, and if you've never done fasting, man, I encourage you, let's fast and pray. Not so we get what we want. Let's fast and pray so that God goes before us to show us where we need to be. We're going to follow him. We're going to let him lead with peace. This is not a financial process. This is a spiritual process. We better be more in love with Jesus no matter where we sit on Sunday morning, we better be more in love with Jesus than we are right now. I'm more in love with Jesus than I was when I launched this church. I hope you are too through this process. When I stand before God, he's not going to say, good job, Matt, on getting a church in a facility. It's going to be all about the gospel. Man, did you stay faithful with the gospel? So that's the big announcement. I'm excited. It's going to be an incredible process. The timing on this is about the time it takes to grow a baby from scratch. So hopefully we're pregnant. Um, About all I got. My contingency plan, if everything fell through before today, was I was going to announce somebody was pregnant. So hopefully that's going to be, hey, we're pregnant. And in nine months, we'll be able to see a a new service somewhere. Um, Anyway, let's get on on, uh, to, no, it's not us. Oh, Lord, no. I'll be praying against you. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, oh, yeah. Shh. Don't tell the third, third don't tell the third, blah, blah. I can't talk anymore. My words are done. Don't tell the third service. Just like we're family and we love on each other, don't be the family in the dysfunctional sense where you're standing out on the sidewalk going, I know something you don't know. I don't, you know. You need your responsibility. Let this be a surprise at the third service. But what you do need to do is when people are coming in for the third service, you look incredible today. You've got, you look rested. You look great. So help me on that regard. Let's get to what we're really called to do and do what we're supposed to do. Let's preach the gospel. Um, let's go to Acts chapter 14. Um, and we're going to pick up on Paul and Barnabas's uh, spiritual journey, their missionary journeys. Uh, what you're going to see is some patterns developed here with the gospel. Now, you cannot make a pattern with the gospel and say, if I do this every time, this is what happens. But the gospel starts to create patterns as we get in and minister and share the gospel to the community and to the world around us. And so don't think that you can do the same things you used to do and get the same results. Uh, That is the definition of insanity. When you keep doing the same thing and expect different results... The gospel, there's some things that we can pattern. There's some things that we just have to trust God and say, he's going to do that so differently every time. Look at the way Jesus healed three blind men, touched one, spit in one man's eyes, and spit in the mud. Those guys could have a serious theological debate on how Jesus works when they come together to talk about their healing. God will not be predictable but there's some things that always hold true with the gospel. So Paul and Barnabas in Acts 14, they go into a city called Iconium. Iconium, they, they had left uh, after they got run out of the last town. Iconium is, a, is a, it's in the, the province of Galatia. It's in southern Turkey today, where we know southern Turkey. You can look it up, see it on a map, and that's where Paul and Barnabas went on a missionary journey to share the gospel. It's about 90 miles southeast of Antioch. 
So we're seeing a pattern develop with Paul and Barnabas here where they, they go into a city and they find the synagogue and they preach the gospel. You want to continue the pattern. Most of the time they get kicked out of the city. But the pattern is they go in, they find the, the, the epicenter and they start preaching the gospel. And so we're going to see that happen again today. The pattern is always the gospel, but there's so many things that we can't predict about it. But let's talk about some things that are always going to hold true. Let's start in verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. So you've got Paul and Barnabas, and the reality is this. With the gospel, we're always going to be better together. There's, there's something that holds true that Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, says that, that where two lie down, they can keep warm. They can defend each other. That passage ends by a cord of three strands is not easily broken. You always have the presence of the Lord with you. If you are a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But I'm also the type of person that I need a wingman. I don't like to go in solo. A lot of the ministry functions that I go to and, and, and things that I have to go and engage as the public figure of the church, I like to have somebody with me. I'll take Kevin with me or, or I'll take other staff with me just so I have a safe person there, you know, so I don't walk in and I've got, because mingling I'm telling you, I love talking to you in the hallways of this church, and mingling to me here is much different, but to walk into a room of strangers and mingle, man, I, I, don't, I don't like that. That scares me. I need a wingman because I, I need to break, the, I need them to help me. There's something strengthening about a partnership and engaging about a partnership. I would not have had the courage to launch this church had Heather not been with me. When Heather looked at me and she said, I'm with you, heart and soul, that gave me the courage to say, I can do this. Through this process, I think a lot about all the could be's and the ways this could really fall and and really look bad in this next step. But with partnership, I say, you know what, we can do this. Lives are on the line. Paul and Barnabas go in, they start preaching the gospel, they see lives changed. When the opposition comes, there's an encouragement and a strength in that partnership so they don't bail on it. They don't give up. And then it says that God confirmed his message of grace through signs and wonders. Key in on this. We like to key in on the signs and wonders because they're flashy. Key on this. What did God confirm? The message of his grace. There are people who follow Jesus for the miracles. And the miracles are flashy things. But let me encourage you. Don't follow Jesus for the miracles. Follow Jesus because he is worthy. He's the king of kings. There's no other name above the name of Jesus. That at his name, every knee will bow. Follow him for that. Jesus didn't follow the miracles. The miracles followed Jesus. Let me me, me say this about the signs and wonders, though. We don't follow the signs and wonders, but there should be signs and wonders following us. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to walk out of here and go walk across that pool as if on dry ground. 
Those signs and wonders are the provision of God. There are doors in your life that God only can open. And God's provision in your life is also there are doors in your life that you're too weak to close and only God can close those doors. Don't think signs and wonders are the big flashy things. And it's a miracle that you just took a breath and you only take it because God gives it. So don't follow the signs and wonders, but they should follow us. There should be things that happen in our life that I can't explain to you why, but only God. If we can explain everything away, then we're missing the supernatural, wondrous, all nature of God. But that we're not going to chase it. So this, en- this engagement and partnership, let me, here's, a, here's a question to filter it. Who are you engaging in life with? Who are you partnering with? What community are you a part of? Because this, I mean, we're all close together this morning. And I mean, we're probably going to get to a point, if, if it doesn't start cooling down, we're going to share sweat. I mean, that's how close we sit. So, but that's not your engagement. This room is not your connection to the creek. If this room is only what you consider your involvement or connection here at the creek, you're probably going to leave disappointed. Because you're going to leave with this thought of, I, I just didn't connect. Nobody reached out. This room is not designed to build our relationship. We come in here and we're going to worship. We're going to sing. We're going to be encouraged. We're going to spend time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're going to worship Jesus with everything we got. We're going to preach the gospel. But the engagement happens when we leave this room. It's the groups. It's serving with people. Man, when you serve on a team, you build a camaraderie. It's, it's, you just can't, I can't explain it, but it happens. That's the engagement. That's the partnership. That's when opposition comes, you've got the strength to stand because opposition is going to come. Let's go on. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and the Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derby and to the surrounding country. Opposition. We are always going to experience opposition. I'm not trying to rain on your parade, but there is an enemy that's going to come against everything that God wants to do in your life. You've heard that, you may have heard the saying, where God is building, Satan is blasting. It's going to come. Opposition will come. Think about it. Man, if you've got an enemy that hates God and hates the work of God and people's lives start being changed as a result of what God did on the cross and people's eyes, that, that, as Jesus says, let them have eyes to see and ears to hear so their hearts would understand. As that happens, there's an enemy that's standing about. He's not happy with that. And he's going to come against you. When we speak the gospel, when we share the gospel... When we do this in love, there are going to be the two reactions. People will receive it, and there's going to be joy, and it's going to be transforming in their life, or they're going to reject it. In that rejection, there may be bitterness and anger because the gospel is a light. It's the light of salvation unto man. And what happens is it illuminates us. It illuminates ourself first, our sin. When I see my sin, I can be grateful that I have a Savior and I can repent of that sin and confess that, or I can get very bitter and going, why would you think of spotlighting that on me? What about you? You see where I'm going with it? Opposition will come. Here's what you just need to do with opposition. Expect it, anticipate it, count on it, but don't let it hinder you. Don't let it handicap you. 
man, when we were getting ready to launch the church, I had all this opposition and I was scared. And God had to break through that wall to say, opposition's going to come. This isn't going to be easy, but I've overcome it. When Jesus looked at Peter, he's like, Peter, Satan's asked to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you. I'm like, well, why don't you just kick Satan to the curb, man? Opposition's coming. Don't let it hinder what God is leading you to do. And what he's leading you to do is what happens in verse 7. when he says this, they continued to preach the good news. It's always the gospel. We're always going to stick with the gospel. Our message doesn't become about anything other than Jesus. If you get tired of something at this church, you're probably going to get tired of us saying it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And when we think we're done saying it, we're going to say it again. It's Jesus. It's all about the gospel. Everything we do is because of the gospel. The gospel is the proclamation of the truth. The truth is Jesus lived, he died, he rose, he ascended, and he will come back. When he ascended, he sent his Holy Spirit to be our comforter, our guide, to live in us, to continue that renovation from the inside out. Some of your lives before Jesus was an empty shell, just like the video of a building you saw. The real work... The real miracle is what the Holy Spirit does inside of the shell of our heart, of that God-shaped hole, and he builds something incredibly beautiful of our life, and it's built because of the gospel. I tell you, I know we've shared a lot of exciting news this morning, but all of that pales in comparison to a life changed by the gospel. There is nothing in this universe, there is nothing in all of creation that is more celebrated than a life changed because of Jesus. We're told in Scripture that there's rejoicing in the presence of angels in heaven over one sinner who gives their life to Christ. There ain't no building announcement that can trump that. There's nothing that can trump that. So we're going to do everything we do always for the gospel and only for the glory of God. It's only for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for just everything you do in our lives that brings us uh, health, life, peace, grace. And Lord, I just pray right now that that amidst, uh, I know we've announced an exciting step, but God, the, the real focus, the real thing is the best announcement ever said to the world was when the angel looked at him at the tomb and said, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus of Nazareth, whom you speak, is not here. He has risen just as he said. That's the greatest announcement the news of the world has ever heard. That's the news that transforms lives. That's the news that, that saves souls. That's the news that makes us whole. Lord, we just ask in the quiet of this moment, if you're in this room and maybe, you're, maybe your life is an empty shell, I just want to encourage you to have, have the strength to, to call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I, I need you. I, I, I need you to be my Lord and my Savior. I believe you died and rose again. I don't understand it, but I believe it, and I want my life to be changed as a result of it. Forgive me. 
and be Lord of my life. That's the greatest transformation. That's the greatest building project is when you take those of us who are dead in our sin and you turn us into a new creation, new life, new hope, new purpose, and a new destiny. That's the best news. Jesus, we love you. We ask that you go before us. Lead us with peace. Help us to not get ahead of you or get ahead of ourselves, but to be still and know you are God and let you lead us through this. We give you the glory for this day. We give you the glory for what you're doing in the kingdom, and we give you the glory for everything that you're going to do in and through us. And we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.